Welcome back to the Crimson Forest. Far from Cobbler's Gulch, and close to the castle of the witch, Gretchen Hexenkopf. Episode 21. Snook the Fool. For all of the inconvenience that the babbling brook caused with her incessant need to converse and her threats to feed the orphans to a cyclopean giant, her ability to whisk them through the crimson forest actually proved quite useful. Certainly, the ride is not always a smooth one. The babbling brook curses a beaver or two along the way. Wretched beavers! But she makes quick work of getting the orphans around impassable boulders and impenetrable biting briar patches. She allows them to float right over the limestone labyrinth, in which some had entered but never exited. I'm so lost. She ferries them safely through the gusty geysers, and she makes it possible for them to go straight up the winding waterfalls. All told, she likely saves them a day's hike, maybe two, and she definitely helps them avoid any number of untold dangers. They don't hear the bleeding of a goat, until they reach the field of screaming scarecrows. The scarecrows hang from their poles, scattershot. Thousands of them, in no discernible pattern. Why are there... Shh! You don't want to speak above a whisper. If you wake up a screaming scarecrow, any guesses what it might do? (laughs) Scream? The worst scream you ever heard. (laughs) What about the goats? What about them? Scarecrows don't speak goat. The scarecrows are all the same, each one shrouded in a black cloak in various stages of disrepair, with thin branches for arms that crook from the shoulder. And each scarecrow wears a floppy, conical hat pulled low over a dirty burlap face. They have no trouble scaring crows, or really anything for that matter. What are the scarecrows protecting? There's no crops. Well, they're protecting the castle. And how much further is the castle? Just beyond the field of screaming scarecrows. Follow the sound of goats. It should lead you right where you want to go. The orphans peer into the seemingly never-ending army of scarecrows. The dread of their imminent future leaves each of their mouths open. Are you sure you want to do this? All of the orphans turn their glassy eyes and their slack-jawed expressions to Hazel. She strokes the lilt blossom braided into her hair and allows the feeling of its softness to energize her. Yes, I'm sure. You'll have quite the conversation piece. That is, if you live. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-ta! With that, the babbling brook trickles away, off to find more conversations and, no doubt, beaver teeth that she can extract. A moment of silence hangs in the air as the orphans realize they're standing alone, just a short walk from the castle of a wicked witch. What what do we go now? Now we go to the castle. And and do what? Well, I guess we see if there's a fairy about. And what if there is? Oh dear, what if there is? We figure out how to rescue it. What if it be not wanting a rescue? This was the type of question one asks when fear overtakes reason and desire. Don't be silly. Which direction do you think we should go? Well, the goats are bleeding under there. You mean over there. 
Hazel and the orphan boys make their way through the field of screaming scarecrows, trying to guess the direction the goat bleeding is coming from, which isn't so easy because of another sound. What is that? Hazel knows the sound all too well. It's the scarecrows. They're snoring. They sound awful. Not much different than a night in the orphanage. Oh, we be snoring, do we? Normally I'd say you snore like a room full of broken organs. But now, I think I'd say you snore like a field of screaming scarecrows. In an unfortunate display of timing, Zip turns into a crow and nearly squawks before Elwood grabs his beak. One minute you're outwitting goblins. Next you're nearly setting off an entire army of screaming scarecrows. Hazel strokes his black feathers. Don't you know you're among friends? And he turns back into himself. I'm sorry. Scarecrows make me nervous. So incredibly nervous. Shh. We're already whispering. It doesn't get much quieter than a whisper. No. No, something be amiss. That, that be goblins. Yup, goblins. The same they'd escaped earlier in the night. And they're waiting at the edge of the moat that surrounds the castle. Their eyes are locked on a peculiar figure who's pulling a ferry across the surface of the fog and the murk of the moat by way of a slime-covered chain that stretches from the castle gate across the swampy sludge to an old rusty cauldron on the bank of the moat. Hurry, Schnook! Yes, pull, you fool, pull! The goblin's demands, for whatever reason, seem to tickle Snook, who's indeed a fool. He throws his head back and laughs maniacally, practically howling into the night sky. <laughs> never forget, you fool, never forget. What's so funny? <laughs> oh, everything and nothing and some of this and none of that. <laughs> Snook the Fool wears black and white, a motley partition getup that doesn't look as if it's ever been washed. His cap and bells include a mask that falls just above the bridge of his long, hooked nose and includes two holes, out from which peek his sly, bloodshot eyes. The rusted brass bells on his cap hang limply, one on either side of his temples like creepy pigtails, and the third somewhere in the back like an even creepier ponytail. Since Snook constantly swings his head one way, then the other, erratic like the fool that he is, the bells constantly jingle and jangle. This draws attention to his face, a yellow-tinged face, the color of buttermilk, highlighted by smears of dirt and a ring of grime near his jaw and jugular. Do you goblins know the hour? We know it's getting later the more you talk. Then you don't know? (laughs) You know who does know? (laughs) The argle-bargle of the goblins falls silent. Goblins typically make the blood of others run cold, but Snook's question turns the goblin's veins downright frosty. Is she mad? How do you mean? 
wake up with the fooling. I can't very well do that. If a fool stops his fooling, the world would go mad. And by mad, I mean crazy. A logical loop-de-loop and a whoopsie-doo. <laughs> when Snook speaks, his body shakes and convulses. And of course, jangles. Is Gretchen mad? Oh, yes, but not in a world without a fool way. She's mad in the way she gets mad when goblins make deliveries on goblin time instead of her time. <laughs> oh, I wish I could argle-bargle like you. Maybe you lot can teach me if Gretchen doesn't lop off your heads. <laughs> the goblins load onto the ferry along with their plate-backed woogle and the wheelbarrow. <laughs> All right, snook, more polling, less cackling. All the while, Hazel and her orphan brothers feel their fear bubble and boil as they watch from the edge of the field of screaming scarecrows. They feel dread as the fool throws his head back and cackles. They feel terror when they hear the clang of the fool's cap and bells. They feel fright as the fool jerks the goblin-loaded fairy across the moat to the castle of the witch, Gretchen Hexenkopf. And they feel trepidation as the motley crew disappears into the castle. But mostly, they feel foolish. More foolish even than the fool. Because they know they're about to willingly follow the fool and the goblins into the castle of a wicked witch. Thanks for listening. On the next episode of Cobbler's Gulch... The melee in the moat. In the meantime, there's a witch around the corner. Witches are not all that pleasant. They enjoy poking out eyeballs and loosening nuts and bolts on playgrounds. All this to say, it's going to get even darker in this story. If you'd care to bring a little light to this adventure, please tell your friends about Cobbler's Gulch. Friends make things better. And witches hate both friends and things that are better. Win, win.